0: I'm your host, Desiree. I'm a mom to two and on my own journey of living with a little less clutter so I can have more space for an intentional life. I'm no expert, and I like to think of this as a corner of the internet where we're learning and growing together. So let's walk towards a more simple and intentional life. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. One of the things I love about guest episodes is bringing you topics that I have zero clue about. We're bringing you perspectives that are so different from my own. And today's episode is a great example of that because we are talking about homesteading. Jill Winger is my guest today. She's the founder of The Prairie Homestead, which is one of the foremost homesteading websites since 2010. She's been doing this for a long time and she's dedicated to helping others learn how to grow their own food and live a more fulfilling, old-fashioned life. Jill is so knowledgeable and passionate about homesteading. But here's the thing. If you are like, listen, I don't have (laughs) any ability to homestead. I don't have the space to have a homestead. This isn't really in my wheelhouse, so this episode might not relate to me. Joe's goal is to bring a little piece of homesteading to everyone. In this episode, we really talk about the benefits of this lifestyle and how it is not out of reach to us who have tiny yards. I have a tiny yard. So it was funny to have this conversation with Joe and go into it thinking like, yeah, I'm so far removed from it, but come out of it realizing that oh no, I could have a piece of this in my own home, in my own backyard, because Joe's whole thing is that this kind of old-fashioned way of life, it's not about going back in time or diving all the way into it for every single one of us, but rather about, ditching the modern-day consumerism mindset through living a little more old-fashioned. So Jill is so relatable, and she makes this lifestyle seem like it's doable for all of us in some way, shape, or form. And because it is kind of late spring, early summer-ish, almost early summer right now, I just think this is the perfect episode to get us in the mood to like get ourselves outside in the dirt or to try some new scratch cooking recipes this summer. It just felt like a very festive and fun conversation for this time of year. So let's dive into my conversation with Jill. Jill, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Um, Before we dive in, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Jill Winger. I live in Southeast Wyoming with my family and I think I'm best known for being the homestead girl online. Um, I was talking about canning and chickens and gardening kind of before it was cool. And I've had a blog for a long time and been teaching people how to get back to their roots, get back to basics and live what I call the old fashioned on purpose lifestyle.
0: I love it. I have been really intrigued by your content and just everything that you do. So I'm excited to just hear more about all of that. I really want to hear a little bit about your story. Like how did you get to be that person, <laughs> the, yes. the person online who's talking about homesteading? Um, how did that all come about for you? Was it part of your upbringing? Or was this something that you kind of just decided to do at some point? Tell your story a little bit with homesteading.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I came to it kind of in a roundabout way. So I was raised pretty conventionally 90s kid, you know, we didn't live on a farm, we lived in a little neighborhood. Uh, So I didn't have it passed down to me from relatives per se but I've always been a little bit of a weirdo. And I always knew, even if I couldn't quantify it, I'm like, I want to be different. I don't want to just live like everyone else. I'm like, it's just not enough. It feels like there's got to be something more, but I didn't know what that was. And so what kind of led me down this path initially is that I, I have always loved horses. And so I decided to go to a horse college in Wyoming as an 18 year old and then met my husband and we decided our first starter home needed to have room for the horses. And so I didn't know what homesteading was. I never thought about farming. As far as I knew, farming was just somewhat something you did with a combine, you know, for like the masses. It wasn't a personal venture. And so we bought this little tumble down farmstead. It's all we could afford back in 2008. And this weird thing happened like almost simultaneously. I had bought it for the horses, but I was just like, struck, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. It was like literally this idea fell from the sky. Like you got to do something else with this property. And I'm like going, I don't, okay, I, cool. But, and I didn't know what it was, but I just kind of kept leaning into that idea. I wanted to make it productive. It felt like we had this blank slate of possibility. And so I started to think about what could we do with 60 acres? What What does that look like? Could we grow food? Could we help it pay for itself in a roundabout way? And so that's where I started to dip my toe in the waters of composting. That was one of the first things and then chickens and then gardening. And back then people weren't calling it homesteading necessarily. It was still very much a new movement, but it, it grabbed me and it, uh, I fell in love with it and started sharing it. So kind of the rest is history, but it's been a wild ride when I didn't expect, and it's truly changed my life.
0: I love the story. I love that it wasn't something that you set out to do, but you kind of just fell into it and fell in love with it along the way. And I think, as you mentioned before, like a lot of people are seeing a, I don't know, benefit or a draw to this lifestyle. And it's not something that I'm familiar with in any way, but I've also like felt a draw to, okay, growing my own food in some way. And I don't have 60 acres and a lot of us don't, right? So what I want to talk about today is the benefits of this lifestyle and how maybe they can apply to someone who doesn't have a lot of land, but can still kind of gain something from this homesteading lifestyle. You often say homesteading is a state of mind, not a location. So I would love to hear just like, what are some of the most beneficial parts of your lifestyle that could transfer to someone no matter what their like living situation is or how much land they have?
1: I love this question. And I love what you were saying about you know, not everyone can have 60 acres. Not everyone wants 60 acres. I think a lot of people do right now, but you know, it just isn't feasible. And that's something I'm really passionate about because, um, especially the last couple of years, I've spent a lot of time sitting with that tension because I do believe the benefits of homesteading are needed by pretty much every human. It's like, these are human skills. They're not homestead skills, but I also know there's that tension of not everyone is going to live in a place where they can have milk cows and, you know, a million animals and giant gardens. And so I've been like, how do we distill it down? And so um, I've come up with a number of things that I kind of call the old fashioned formula uh, and been working on that the last few years. But I think the the biggest thing that people can really start to think about is how can they shift from the mindset of a consumer to the mindset of a contributor? And to me, that encapsulates all of it. And you can get really granular and break it down. But if we look at the progression of our modern society over the last 150, 200 years, it's been pushing us towards being just com- strict consumers, people who are completely dependent on other systems and other organizations. And that's not always a bad thing, of course, right? I'm still dependent on um, other Things in a certain certain aspects, but what it does is we get too far down that consumer path. Is it strips us of our autonomy? It strips us of the ability to feel confident and competent, and it takes away a lot of the joys of just being alive because we're just plugged into a system. And so I'm always like, how can you in your situation, whether you live in an apartment, whether you live in the suburbs, where you li- whether you live on 80 acres, how can you shift out of that mindset? And that's why I really do believe this is. Really, what's up in your your head more than what you're doing outside, although outside has a big part of it.
0: Yeah, I love that mindset. We talk a lot about like consumerism on a podcast about minimalism. And so I just love that mindset shift of from being a consumer to how can I contribute in some way? And whether that is just like becoming a little more reliant on myself or also contributing to the greater community. Do you have any tips for someone who like wants to start growing food because I feel like that's a very basic way that someone can, you know, shift from that consumerism
1: mindset. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of food, you, different types of food you can grow. I think gardening is the most accessible for most people. So I'll kind of focus on that. But I think the first recommendation I have for folks is to not overthink it. And I know if you've never had a garden, it can feel like really intimidating. And you you go to the garden store and you're like, well, what fertilizer do I need? What chemicals and what tools And it? Everyone's going to try to sell you something right to make your garden better. And I would like to encourage folks that most of the time nature kind of already has given you what you need. So you don't have to go buy as much as you think um but then beyond that pick a few things if you're feeling like this you know this is big this is hairy i'm not sure where to start pick a few things that your family and you like to eat um potatoes are really popular with me and my kids that's an easy one a lot of people are um enamored with tomatoes though that's another good one um it could be onions it could be corn it could be beets or green beans just pick a few things and kind of dip your toe in the water and start with those and most of the time If you have a backyard, you can till up a little area or if you don't have a rototiller, you could look up um, like no till methods, which are basically just layering. So just think about layering on top of your grass with different cardboard or manure or compost and you kind of build it up Um, or use pots. If you live in an apartment or you live in a place where you can't dig up your yard, you can get um, big pots. If you can sometimes get half barrels or if you live in an agricultural area, people, will ranchers will like feed supplements to their cattle in these big plastic tubs and we like we have a lot of them and a lot of times they throw them away so if you can kind of scrounge up some of those you could put all kinds of things in those tubs i've seen people growing potatoes in um, like old feed bags or dog food bags this year so really there's no reason anyone can't grow something and i think it is important beyond just what you're getting in terms of the harvest because you may be looking at this and going okay cool i plant a couple bags of potatoes and i'm getting eight pounds like is this really worth it And I, what I encourage people with is there's harvests that you're reaping that are beyond just the food you're getting. You're getting outside, you're getting your hands in the dirt, you're teaching your kids where their food comes from. You're starting to connect with the natural cycles of life, which we're so disconnected from. And so it's it's so worthwhile, even if your harvest is somewhat small by comparison. That's what I want
0: to talk about next. Is kind of just like the benefits of this lifestyle in general. What are some of the benefits of this lifestyle that you've seen in your family, and why you encourage others to do it?
1: Yeah, I I think the the I think there's a tangible benefits for sure, which usually is food. There's so much around homesteading that's food. I mean, you just become a foodie by default, whether you whether you like it or not. Um, but <laughs> the, those non tangible benefits, I think, are some of my favorites, and as you know, over the years when we, well, let me back up. When we started homesteading, we didn't have our kids yet and we were, our jobs were very different and our lives were a lot simpler by comparison. And so I had more time to just dink around in the yard or play with the chickens. Fast forward now, 13 years, 14 years down the road, I have three kids. I have a junior hire. We're doing sports. We're doing 4-H. I have multiple businesses. Like our lives are complicated. And so I've many times uh, over the years, as I'm trying to balance the schedule and, Oh my gosh, my life is insane type of situation. And I'm looking at it and going, you know, you kind of have those moments of reflection. Does this make sense for me to still try to put in a big garden? Like, should I still be doing this? Cause technically I can afford to go to the store and buy these things. You know, we're not destitute. Mm-hmm. I can, I can do that. Um, should I just pay someone else to produce milk for me? Like, do I need to still do these things? And what I come back to time and time again is I'll miss out on those other benefits that you, that you, asked about. And so for those, or for, I guess when it comes, sorry, I'm gonna rephrase that. So when it comes to those non-tangible benefits, um, and there's so many, and when we look at our, our modern life, the lives that we're told are normal and we're told are just the way that we're supposed to be, you know, a lot of researchers have likened it to what they call the human zoo whereas we live in these worlds in these artificial environments with artificial light. Um, we're surrounded by artificial materials, whether that's asphalt or concrete or tons of plastic or you know artificial carpets and um, particle board walls and all those things. And it, I'm not saying that people should run from those and, and live out in the woods barefoot and drink spring water, but when we're <laughs> immersed in only that environment, man-made, human-made things 24 seven, we get out of touch. We just kind of lose a little bit of ourselves. And our bodies can get out of whack physically. We can get a little bit um, unmoored mentally. And so the biggest benefits of homesteading or gardening or just being more connected to our roots is that we get a chance to step outside of that human zoo for a moment. And we start to learn the cycles of nature. We put our hands in the soil. There are literal microbes in the soil that have been proven to have antidepressant effects for humans. It's just this this crazy synergy. Um, We're moving our bodies in meaningful ways, you know. There's nothing wrong with going to the gym and I I go to the gym sometimes in the winter when it's cold, but man, how much more rewarding is it to move our bodies, to work up a sweat, to use, to get those combination movements in, we're bending over, we're carrying, we're lifting and we're planting at the same time and we're growing food at the same time and we're doing multiple things. And so, um, I think for adults, those are, those are my biggest wins. And then when we get into the realm of kids, Um, it's even more than that. It's all that plus more where we're helping those children build that foundation of knowing their place in the world and understanding uh, nature. And, you know, I've had my kids outside with us since they were babies. And during those early years, toddler years, infant years, it was, you know, strenuous to to pack them along and to garden with them and they'd rip plants out and they'd step on things. But now that they're a little bit older, it's given them so much confidence and so much capability uh, and they understand soil microbes, they understand worms, they understand bugs, they understand how to take care of a sick animal, and just watching him grow into that and feel so at home in the natural world has been, I think, one of the biggest rewards of it all for me.
0: I recently learned that women are uniquely affected by higher levels of stress than men. Prenatal stress specifically has significant effects on pregnancy, fetal health, maternal health, and childhood development, and stress has a significant impact on a woman's ability to conceive, and it can also dramatically impact breast milk supply. I was really grateful to have an expert in both women's health and in natural formulations on episode 179. Stacey Littlefield was my guest, and she talked about how for women who are pregnant, trying to conceive, or nursing... There are natural herbs and supplements that are not just safe, but also they provide real relief and solutions for stress reduction and peace, for emotional balance, and that support a calm, healthy digestive system. We talked a lot about the supplement Peaceful Mama because I have actually been using that supplement for three months now and have seen a world of a difference in my ability to just cope with stress, the everyday little stressors that come my way. And Stacy has not only... Formulated Peaceful Mama, but she's also formulated a number of award winning supplements, and she believes this one is her best yet. You can go to redremedies.com, that's R E D D with two D's, so redremedies.com and use code minimalish to get 20% off. I'm curious, just because you were talking about how busy your life looks now with, you know, three kids that are older, that are involved in things, and then running businesses as well. What do your days look like to also be raising cattle and doing all the other things you do? I know cooking from scratch is another thing you talk a lot about. And a lot of people can think like, well, that just takes so much time. So
1: I just want to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, So one of the, I think one of the lessons I've learned from nature, one of the most valuable ones is that of following seasons. And so, um, I'm really careful to be mindful of the seasons and lean into that. So where people sometimes might assume I'm doing all the things at once, I'm really more doing them in phases. Um, and so also I will say we have help as my businesses have grown over the years. We've, I have, you know, an online assistant, we have a hired man who helps with the cattle. So I don't want people to think I'm super mom. Cause I am definitely not Supermom, Mm -hmm. I have, I have helpers that have kind of grown with us as we've expanded. Um, but it's, it's kind of a, a give and take for me. You know, there are some days where I'm in the office more recording podcasts or writing a book or creating content because that is our family's bread and butter. So I do need to devote time to that. But then one thing I like to do just to keep myself sane is, you know, let's say I'll spend four hours in the office and then I take a break and I'll go weed the garden for a little bit. So I'm using a chore that, you know, people might think of that as a chore, but I'm kind of using it as a a, a break. It's a chance to get outside. It's a chance to get fresh air. I'm moving my body and I'm getting something done. And so, um, I like to kind of interweave that throughout the day, which helps me be fresher in the office. And it also helps me feel connected to the outside. Um, we also, you know, we live in Wyoming, so we have long winters and short summers and, you know, it's not temperate all year round. And so man, in the winter I'm plugging out the content. That's when I'm writing the books. That's when I'm really computer heavy. And then like shifting into a write about now it's, you know, late May as we record this. Um, I'm not going to be doing as much computer work over the summer. And I've kind of like built that into my schedule where I know I'm going to be outside more. Like even just before we we got on to record today, I was outside. We were, um, setting up our irrigation system for the garden. So then I just ran in real quick. I'll record this and then I'll probably end up back outside. And so there is a measure of a little bit of chaos in that, you know, one hour I'm knee deep in sprinkler parts and the next I had to put on some mascara and come in to record a quick podcast, but <laughs> I, I don't know what the way I'm wired. I kind of, I like the variety. I like the, the flexibility. And so for, for someone who I do a lot of mental heavy creative work in my online business, I find that the juxtaposition of the outside tasks, honestly, I don't know if I could be as good online if I didn't have the chance to get outside and put my hands in the dirt and play with the plants and check on the chickens. Like I kind of need both. And so it works. It works well for us. I love that idea.
0: Because like you were saying, you know, with your job, there's a lot of computer heavy work. And I think that that is pretty common. I think that's for many of us. And so although we often think of like yard work and gardening as also work and a chore, I love the idea that it can bring us rest. I just think that that's probably an excuse in someone's mind. It's been an excuse in my mind of just like I don't have time for this or this is going to take up a lot of my time even to just like create make a garden or or do anything like that. But it can be something that can be a break from our work as well. So yeah. I just love that you kind of explained it like that. Okay, so I'm curious. You we talked about this a little bit earlier just about how getting away from the consumerism mindset by thinking about contributing um, instead. But you do talk a lot about how living a more old-fashioned lifestyle and homesteading can be a great antidote to consumerism. we talk about consumerism here in the in the way of like living with less. So yeah. has homesteading helped you live with less at all?
1: So yeah, there is a little bit of a paradox with the homesteading being less absolutely it does it has helped me learn to live with less I also am thinking of like the cheese making equipment I bought to help me make cheese and you know we built a chicken tractor for our chicken so there's some like there's I need more garden tools than the average American I need more work gloves than the average American so there's some tools like that that I I did have to invest in to help my journey but for the most part yes um it does help us live with less and one of the things that I love is that when you get into making and growing and creating more it's like it has this um domino effect on what you're buying and how much you're throwing away. And so like, for example, I know this is an extreme example because most people aren't going to be able to do this, but just, just to get kind of people's head wrapped around this idea, like take a milk cow, for example, we have a milk cow. And so we, we've been milking her twice a day. And so I'm getting a lot of milk. And so I'm not buying milk. I'm not buying yogurt. I'm not buying butter I'm not buying sour cream, we're not buying ice cream, we're not, we're not buying anything at the store. I also don't have any plastic waste to throw away because we use reusable glass jars. And so we fill up the jars, we wash the jars, and just the cycle over and over again. And when I make cheese, you know, I'm reusing the press, I'm reusing the cheesecloth. Um, a lot of times, w- with the way I like to do it, I'm not even buying cheese cultures because I'm using other cultured dairy products as my starter. And so it's this awesome synergy of, you know, this one input is creating all of these outputs, not to mention the manure that she's giving us to put in my garden that's feeding my tomatoes and feeding my plants that are coming in. And so I get kind of totally nerded out when I think about these cycles of, so I did have to buy the milk cow, sure. And I did have to buy a milking machine, which is not necessary, hundred percent necessary, but we chose to do that. But now I get to stop buying all these other things. And so in a, in a tangible way, that's one way that homesteading has helped us buy less. But then I've also noticed that as we've kind of pulled back from just the standard American culture, which is so fast paced and is so keep up with the Joneses and is so like you are defined by what you wear and what you buy and what you, you know, what you flash around to the public as we've kind of pulled away from that. I just don't feel the need when I go to the store. I'm like, I don't need to go buy a bunch of things. I don't feel tempted to go, um, to target and stock up on a bunch of stuff. Cause it just kind of puts it all into perspective. And so that's also been a really great thing where I've learned to value, um, less things that I'm buying and more things that I'm doing or creating, oh, you know, over just like the standard idea of just going and buy, buy, buy to fill me up and make me feel, um, like I'm, like I'm whole. So it's been kind of a, a two part approach to that, I suppose.
0: Yeah. And I think that can apply in so many ways, like not just homesteading, but just creating something with your hands and and even shifting your values to creating and contributing really does help us pull away from that very fast paced and I don't know, new shiny object (laughs) mindset that is a very American thing and is very easy to fall into because it's what we see you know, everyone else valuing.
1: Yeah. And I think there's also when you start to make things yourself, whether you're knitting or you're making pottery or you're painting, like you start to real, you start to appreciate the artisan approach more. And so I know for me, I know what it takes to make certain things. And so I am much happier to go support other small creators and producers. And also I'm much more inclined to buy better. Whereas before I might've just gone in and go, I'll just get the, the cheap option. I know it's gonna break soon, but it's fine. I'll just rebuy it when it breaks. Now I'm like, no, I'm gonna wait a little bit longer, save up, spend a little bit more, buy something that I know is gonna last. And so I know I've noticed now my kitchen or my home is filled with less things, but better quality things that I actually enjoy and that are gonna be heirloom quality versus disposable. So that's really important to me too.
0: Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors, breathing around 30,000 gallons of air daily. According to the EPA, indoor air could be 2 to 5 times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, it could be 100 times more polluted. Data shows that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths across the world. Recently, some really large industrial smokestacks were imploded in my town. They were just taken down and you could see the cloud of smoke. Really, it was a cloud of dust that was lingering in the air and kind of dissipating. And I just felt a lot safer in my home and breathing the air in my home because I have my Air Doctor. Air Doctor is an air purifier that captured the attention of established media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more. And that's because Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold, so your lungs don't have to. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested bacteria and viruses and virtually 100% of particles as small as 0.003 microns. AirDoctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund, minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MINIMALISH. Depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Unlock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O dot and use code MINIMALISH. Before we kind of close out our conversation on all things homesteading, uh, are there any last tips that you have for someone who maybe has been curious about this lifestyle or even just parts of it, um, but is kind of hesitant to dive in, maybe because it would take extra time or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I would say keep in mind that you really can tailor it to fit your situation. And so you don't it doesn't have to look like me. It doesn't have to be as extreme as I am, or the people you might see on Instagram or TikTok. It can really just be bits and pieces. But if you're feeling those little tugs, listen to them because they're there for a reason. Um, and you know, a, a good place just as on a practical level to start is food. You know, if you even if you can't grow a single thing, start looking at what's in your pantry. Start looking at the things that you like to eat that you enjoy eating and maybe you could make them yourself. You could dabble in excuse me, homemade bread. You could dabble in something a little crazier, like homemade yogurt. You can do that with store-bought milk. Um, or you start just trying different recipes. Maybe you grab a quart of heavy whipping cream at the store and you and your kids learn how to make butter. Just start kind of playing and you're going to fulfill the need to create, use your hands. And you're also going to create something fun to eat, which is kind of a win-win, but I say the food will, will take you down a good path. So start there and see where it leads.
0: I love that. I've been feeling a tug to learn bread, making bread, yeah. which I said that on another previous interview too. So I don't know when <laughs> when both will come out, but someone's gonna be listening, being like, I hope she made bread by now. Yeah. <laughs> she keeps yeah. talking about it. Um, okay. Well, I have two questions that I ask every guest. Uh the first one is what is something that you're simplifying right now?
1: Mm. Yeah. So I this winter I went through this crazy uh what do you call it? I just was like totally obsessed with simplifying. I felt like my life had gotten kind of chaotic and bloated in a lot of ways. And so we went through and deleted a ton of subscriptions. We double checked all our, our budgeting and our finances. I went through my business and I realized that I was just doing things for the sake of doing them like, Oh, we have to create this little thumbnail for this thing. And I'm like, but what is it? It's not create, it's not producing anything. It's, it doesn't have any ROI. And so we just went through and just gutted our systems and processes in both our personal life and our business life. And it felt so good. So I'm still kind of riding the high of that and getting really strategic and going like, okay, I think I need this, but do I really need this? Like kind of pushing back on myself. And so that's been fun in a weird way. I guess if you think, that, <laughs> I, I think I that's fun, that. I guess other people do too, maybe. <laughs> yep. I think it's
0: fun. Simplifying is always fun to me. So yeah. I, I can relate. <laughs> yes. um, okay. My, my last question for you is what's something that you're loving right now?
1: this is super nerdy, but I'm going to say it anyway. I have been uh, like totally obsessing over soil lately. You just back, I'm back outside, I'm back in the garden. And like, sometimes I'm just digging and I'm just like holding it in my hands and touching it. And I'm just like, this is so amazing. And I've been reading a lot of books about soil health and how we can nurture the soil and kind of bring back the topsoil that we've lost over the last hundred years or so. And so anytime I hear any, anything about the word soil, I just Completely geek out, so that's that's where I'm at with that. Right <laughs> I feel like that's very on brand, right? Yes, that you, yes. you're really loving soil. <laughs> are, my friends are like, "Oh my gosh, she's weirder than I thought," but it's the <laughs> truth. So
0: I love it. Well, yeah. thank you so much um, for just your time and sharing all of your knowledge and inspiring words on homesteading today. Uh, where can listeners find you if they want more and they're not already following along?
1: Yeah. So, um uh, the prairie is my original blog that has all my free tutorials and instructions for everything from bread to yogurt, to how to buy chickens. And then, um, Jill dot winger is my Instagram handle. That's where I probably spend the most time as far as socials go. And I also have a podcast called old fashioned on purpose. If people like to listen, they can find me there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much again for coming on the show today. My pleasure. This was fun. Thanks for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed this conversation. We can all apply this idea to our lives that slowing down a little bit, making things with our hands can help to pull us from the grasp of that consumerism that so often is right in front of us all the time, telling us to buy the new thing, upgrade to the new thing. I just really love how Joe puts that into perspective that this lifestyle of contributing in some way or growing things or making things with our hands can really help us fight consumerism. And I think taking just the tiniest thing from this episode might help us live with a little less of what doesn't matter and a little bit more of what does. So whatever that might be for you, I hope you try it out. We can do something small to reap the benefits of this lifestyle that we may not have any interest of full on diving into, but we can take a little nugget of it with us. That's all for today's episode. If you did enjoy it, I would love it if you would share it with a friend or share it on Instagram or share it wherever you like to share things. I'm grateful for you for sharing and just for being here and listening in. And I will talk to you right back here again on the next episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery.